0: too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com/therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com/therapy30. Hello, and welcome back to the Six Rings and Football Things podcast feed. Each and every week, our buddy—you can see him right there, Mike Cadillac. Hello, weei.com. We do our Cadle's crucial clashes.
1: For a two and seven football team, I was going to say, <laughs> which feel a little less crucial with each game that is played. We're going to call. I'm going to start calling them pillow fights or
0: something like that. Cadlicks, who gives an f clashes. Yeah, seriously. Um, but the Patriots, two and seven, as you mentioned, do prepare to head to Frankfurt, Germany, to take on the Colts, a home game for New England against another middling, mediocre football team with a better record than you. There's some uh, repetitive nature here, similar to the Commanders a week ago. We're in the supposedly winnable feel-good stretch of the season, which doesn't feel so good right now because we lost to Washington. Uh, Before we get to um, the the clashes at hand and the matchups and some of the different things where, again, it's another team that's not that good but has some really talented players that yep. you're going to have to deal with. Um, and the Patriots don't have a lot of super talented players to deal with um, those issues. But let's talk about, as we do, some of the big picture things. Um, this week, we've talked about Bill Belichick ad nauseum, but this yep. week it was literally brought to him in a press conference. Bill, are you coaching for your job? And do we, or let me say you, because mm-hmm. we, I will give you my input in a minute, but you, Mike Cadlick, do you feel any differently about Bill Belichick's job status, how this should be handled, any of the big picture stuff right now? Um, A little bit. I feel
1: like there was a, there was a stretch of games here when they lost those three in a row, a couple blowouts where everybody was talking about Bill's job and no one had said it to him yet. No one had brought it up in the press, but. You know, it was on it was on Twitter and people are writing, you know, could this be it and what's the next step? And then a win against Buffalo and the report from Rappaport kind of squashed it for a while. It was like, okay, we won a game. He's going to be back. Things are fine. Nobody talked about it. And then they've lost two straight again. Florio comes out with his report that there could be, you know, a, perhaps a trade in the offseason or something like that. Um, and now it's kind of at the forefront again. And I, I thought it was – interesting um but i thought it was it was the correct thing to do on monday morning from dakota randall from espn to or from from nesson rather um to ask about his job because it's real and i and i'm sort of i've been watching and paying attention to like the national media's response to this and a lot of people are like well how can they ask bill belichick about his job it's the greatest coach of all time and i feel like the what's going on here in foxborough as i literally sit inside a closet. At Gillette Stadium uh, like that I feel like it hasn't really gone national yet like people aren't fully understanding just how bad it is here they see the record and they're like oh it's another down year and the quarterback's not great and you know there isn't talent but when we're here every day we kind of see what has become the root cause of it and it feels like it is Bill a little bit and you know the um, the lack of talent which he's responsible for and the lack of coaching and the brain drain, and that he's responsible for, and he takes that, and so he always says I'm responsible for it. And now we're kind of holding him to, holding him to that, if you will, and kind of holding his head to the fire. So, um, long story short, I, the fact that the contract and the trade and those sort of stories have leaked out from inside these walls tells me that they're not going to fire him midseason, and that they're going to want to try and get something for him um, after the season, I feel like that just makes the most sense. Again, you have the greatest of all time and somebody who probably could get a job on the open market and he is under contract. So you traded for him 20 something years ago, get something back for him on the way out type of thing. So I feel like that's sort of what's going through, um, the heads of the the crafts and, you know, the upper, I guess, powers here or what have you. But, um, I, I do think that if they lose this game, They have this sort of connection that they want to build with Germany. Um, It just gives them another, I guess, tick mark to, okay, this is why we need to move on from this guy at the end of the season.
0: Uh, And the key is at the end of the season, because I'm with you. I put this all on Bill Belichick. You know, I wrote my mighty uh, Bill Belichick has struck out call. Like I firmly believe that, that he needs to go, that if you're looking at it objectively and, and I, I agree with your assessment, it's, For some reason, the national media is really struggling with this more so than the local, which I find weird. Like The local fans and media are able to say, nope, it's time to move on. We had great times, but it's time to move on. The Nationals aren't yet. But I look at it and say very simply, a team that has gotten worse three years in a row, definitively worse, from a playoff team to a non-playoff losing record to a, oh my God, they could pick in the top three or four picks in the draft team. That's a fireable path that's a fireable regardless of what sport you're in like you're that's fireable but I also and we had Matt Light on with Fitzy this week talking about it like I don't see I literally think there's no benefit to firing him during the season there's no tangible anything so let me let me ask you this before
1: you finish like my my one thing on that is what about a mini tryout for Mayo? Before you do the full search, you give him the
0: interim, you see what he can do. So I think that the crafts believe they know what they have in Gerard Mayo. Okay. And I actually am not sure I want them to alter that assessment in a small window late in a terrible season for a terrible team. You know what I mean? Like we all think the locker room, you don't have all the resources. You don't have the guys you want to bring in. Yeah, right. I feel like that would be doing a disservice to Gerard Mayo. So if you think Gerard Mayo is the guy, protect him from what could go wrong now and let him start fresh in the offseason, build a team, build a culture, build everything, because I think you'd be doing him a disservice. And that's part of why I think there's no gain. Like, if if Gerard Mayo's the guy, then you should feel comfortable he's the guy. You don't need a month and a half of bad football. Of a team that's already bought out. Right. Right. Like, you don't need that. If he's not the guy, well, you're not going to find the guy because everybody's employed. I mean, right. I, I guess I, I guess the other alternative is you could give somebody else an interim option, like, I don't even know who it would be, like Steve Belichick. You give him an interim <laughs> chance and like, wow, he really did a nice job. We're going to yeah. hire him. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not no, really right. saying that. So, And then the flip side is there is some sort of a negative – um. Tarnish of the end of you and Bill if you fire him in November of his final season. like what do yeah. you gain from that? You look bad. you you ran Tom Brady out of town. now you run Bill Belichick out of town, blah blah blah. And then the other thing is, and I know some people won't like this, but if you get the little Raiders bump and win one game or win two games, you actually do a disservice to the team moving forward because you lower sure. your draft pick and all picks as i like to note not just the first one but the second one the third one they're all lower you get further away from talent they're less mm-hmm. valuable so i think it's just steady as she goes sir there's an iceberg sorry steady as she goes we're going down with the ship kind of thing yeah. um and and i do think it is now definitive in my opinion he can't be back running the patriots next year like it's you you can't you can't bang your head against that wall again next year so there will be a time in January when you make that decision and you figure out how to. Maybe there's a trade as you, uh, you know, said. Maybe you can get something for him. But now is not the time. Now is just write it just, up. Yeah, finish the season. You know, as crazy, it's crazy, as, <laughs> it's crazy that guy, we're like, even having
1: this conversation.
0: Yeah, no, and a- embrace the suck. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but embrace the suck. You got to do it. You got to, you know, swallow your pride and take your lumps for the next eight weeks and and just figure it out. So the other side of that is player side, the way the players are going about their business. And we have the big story of the week, JC Jackson and Jack Jones were apparently late back to the hotel last Saturday night. Quick aside for anybody that doesn't know most teams in high college football and the pros stay in a hotel the night before a game gives the team consistency to its pregame road in a way gives coaches control over them and you know meetings and curfews it's all so that is a common practice with most yep. high-end football um they were apparently reportedly late um they did not start we now know why they didn't start it wasn't just because mike pellegrino thought sean wade had a good week of practice as he tried to strangely project in his conference yeah. call this week um we'll get to that in a second um But now the report is J.C. Jackson, at the very least, will not be traveling to Germany. So am I wrong to say they were already punished? They didn't start. They didn't play in the first quarter, and then both of them got in for various amounts of time. There has to be more to it. Like, this has to be a secondary crime for J.C. Jackson, the way he's handling his business, maybe the way he handled his benching. Like, or or is this double jeopardy where he's being punished twice for the same crime? I, I can't see that being the case. He had
1: to, and this is just me. I, I don't know this, but that from like you said, the way this whole thing played out, he had to have reacted poorly to the benching, or more poorly than Jack Jones did. Because,
0: oh, good move. Let me move. Jump around. Ah. Okay. Well, this is awkward.
1: Well, I'm gonna stand up.
0: If you're not watching the video, Mike Cadlick is now in a dark room. Oh, lights are back on.
1: Here we go. Yeah. We'll it was like suddenly
0: it was a ghost story. Woo. I know it was interesting. Um. So
1: with JC, I think he must have reacted poorly to the benching, um, and more poorly than Jack Jones. Because um, and and you, I don't know if you you've probably read it, but uh, I'm sure everyone or a lot of people who are listening have read story that came out from ESPN this week about how you know JC Jack and Tom Telesco, the Chargers GM, basically had to apologize to their entire defensive back room. <laughs> yeah, like
0: my bad, I signed that guy.
1: <laughs> we signed this guy to eighty two million dollars, a lot of it guaranteed, and he didn't try he didn't work hard he made us all look bad and i'm sorry and so i'm sure that even a lot of guys in the room now are they saw the report the patriots they see jc show up late and not playing that great of football like he's he's been fine but he he hasn't been the jc jackson we knew here the first time and they're probably like well why can he continue to get away with this so i think Maybe he spoke up, maybe he said something stupid, and this the kind of whole thing unraveled, and they were like, you know what, get out of here for two weeks. Reset yourself, what have you. And I'm sure Jack Jones, who has already been through it several times, he was suspended last season. He obviously had the incident at the airport with the guns. I'm sure that, and this is just me, again, this is speculation, but I think Jack Jones might be like, okay, I've done this before. I did mess up again. Let me take my lumps. I was benched. I'll sit on the bench and, you know, pout, but I'm not going to bark back at Bill Belichick like I might have last year. And so he probably took it. So that's why he's back. And I bet JC might have done a little more, said a little more to deserve a, you know what, get out of here for a few weeks.
0: So, yeah, this is, um, this is, uh, you, you know, I was very critical of sort of the culture surrounding Jack Jones and Trent Brown, even back Mm -hmm. in August, I would have cut Trent Brown, I'd cut all three of them right now. I I just I can lose with you, or I can lose without you. Yeah, you're not the type of player I want to deal with. Especially, I can't envision Bill as a 71 year old coach dealing with this. Like, I know, I would be like, no, I don't have time for this. F you, get the hell out of my football building. And we we had Matthew Slater, and I keep going back to this in Miami talking about we're going to find out about the character of this team. Mm -hmm. Well, we know. And I know this seems really critical, but we kind of know the character of Trent Brown, J.C. Jackson and Jack Jones. They have a track record. They have a like you end up at multiple colleges for a reason. You end up suspended in the NFL for a reason or traded barely a year after you sign an 80 million dollar deal for a reason. Like They are who we thought they were. I thought the Patriots were very happy to move on from JC Jackson a couple of years ago. Like they were very happy to get what they had gotten out of him. Yeah. And then they were very happy to let somebody else. To not have to pay him the kind of money right. that let, Yeah. Like I think sure. Steve Belichick said, like, he, I, I was happy to see him get paid. Like, yeah, that like let somebody else do that. And I know he comes back with no financial risk, but you have this risk. You have the risk of a bad apple disrupting the apple cart. Even if the apple cart is sort of rotten throughout and has issues. You don't want to add another rotten apple. So this is another example of what I call desperation in desperation for talent, specifically at tackle and cornerback. You hitched your wagon to guys that they are who Mike Singletary thought they were can't win with them. Won't do it. Can't do it. Except you're trying to do it and you keep trying to do it and you're not going to do it. So that is what it is. And I guess, again, that has to play itself out. Wouldn't stun me particularly with the cornerbacks. If one of those cornerbacks doesn't make it through the rest of the season, the way this is trending yeah. and going. Um, Cause again, you know, I can lose, I, I can give up multiple hundred yard games to the Miami dolphins with, or without you guys. Like yeah. you didn't really do anything for me. Um, but well, that- that's, I could see, I could see them parting
1: ways with JC Jackson here soon. Like, I just think the fact that he is away from the team and the kind of the reason they brought him in was because it was, you know, he was like a fire extinguisher on the cornerback room that was crumbling, like the house of cards. You mentioned probably my first week starting at WEI. You're like, Hey, I'm Andy. Nice to meet you. The cornerback room's the house of cards. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, and it, it did, it crumbled. And they, they brought in JC for that. And the fact that they're now like, Okay, we still don't need you to, we don't need to keep you around to fix it tells me that they're pretty much done with him. So, Jack Jones, I think they'll still give that leash because um, he is on his rookie deal and he has been pretty good. And maybe, despite still making mistakes might be understanding that he does make mistakes, if you will. Like, I, I don't know that it's kind of me giving him a little bit too long of a leash, I think, but um,
0: I, I could, basically I could, I could see JC being out of here. So another guy that um, I feel like the talk has really quieted down in a weird way. And that would be, and this is our last big picture question before we get into Cadillac's mildly interesting clashes in <laughs> Germany. Yep. Um, Mac Jones is the quarterback of the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. People have want to run him out of town for various periods, including this season or bench him or do this or go to Malik or go to Zappy. Now I feel like it's kind of just resignation that Max, the quarterback, even though he's not winning, he's still right. making mistakes. But the one or two things I want to add to the discussion to get your view of Mac Jones right now is one. His passive aggressiveness. Some of the—that's a great question. When you ask about, yeah. I throw to guys that are never open, and it looks easier for other teams. Why doesn't it look easy for you guys?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know if you saw this, but Bert Breer on NBC Sports Boston had a comment about the coaches being frustrated with Max' decision making, and like he's ever even looking um, past like open receivers, missing mm-hmm. like the read that's supposed to be there. To me, that's starting to border on. Like character assassination, mudslinging. Because I don't know about you, I don't see anything that to me looks like conduct detrimental to the team or intentionally like sabotage. No. I think I think he's lost. I think he's yeah. not very good right now. I think he's we've used the word broken over the last year plus multiple times. I, I think there's all of that, but I don't yeah. think he's going to the the line like I'll show them. Yeah, I know that slant's going to be open, but I'm not throwing the effing slant. Screw you, right? I don't. So, where do you feel like Mac is in terms of holding on to his job for the rest of the season? Mm-hmm. Where is Mac in terms of his relationship, I guess, with the coaches and how this, even if it's his final season, how this final season plays out? Do you remember, um, you know, Tate
1: Martell? He was a quarterback. Yep, went to Ohio State, and yep. he was in that QB one, QB one, and then bounced and, around, and yeah. So there was a um, that was when they were in high school, and I remember there was a clip of him. And it actually resurfaced the other day, which is how I remembered this. And he, he completely changed the play on the field. No rhyme or reason to it because he wanted to throw a touchdown instead of run it. And ball was incomplete and they yanked him from the game. And they were like, that's not what you do. And they put in the backup and whatever. And it, I saw that and that reminded me of it. I don't think Mac's doing that. I don't think right. he's like just, you know, because you see him and we talk about Mac being broken and everything. And. At one point, I did think he was sort of completely broken with what's gone on around here, and then he played a little bit better, and now he's just kind of fine. He's not making, like, the the jaw-dropping pick-six mistakes that he did in that middle part, but it's still not, you know, it's still not a fluid operation by any means. I mean, they can right. – they're scratching and clawing and, like, bleeding to try and score 17 points.
0: And he didn't throw a pick last week. Like, he did right. on paper – Exactly, but his pick hit the receiver perfectly in the hand. So mm-hmm. that's you're right. That's different. It's not even the the Kendrick Bourne one that was behind him against the Eagles, or yeah. or a really bad late back foot cross the field against right. the Cowboys. This was, and you saw Mac's reaction when he went like down to his knees, and he's like this, like, "Oh yeah. my God, I can't believe I I am snake bitten right now." I hit yeah. the guy in the hands, and it ends up a pick. So, right. yeah, I I agree with that. It, it's it's better. It's yeah. not good enough. It's not good. And, yeah. And if you if you
1: watch him pre snap, he knows this offense. He understands how to get the answers to the test. He like they drain the play clock with you know alerts, and they they move guys to find out man versus zone, and they see yep. who's coming, and they wait, and they he readjusts the line. Like Mac does it all, and it's almost like too tedious in my opinion. Like just run a damn play because they they do it and he gets it but then he doesn't have the time or he doesn't have the the skill position players to succeed in the play so he knows where he's supposed to go with the football it seems and then it just blows up in his face right so long story short i do think they are going to just stick with him the rest of the way um i do love his comments in the media i do i just think at this point they've done so much wrong to him and look he's i i do carry his water a lot because i do think With everything around him, he could succeed in this league, but they haven't given it to him here. They knew the type of quarterback they were taking 15th overall, and they didn't do the things they needed to do around him to make him succeed. So I understand. Like a lot of times when you're asked a question in the media, you want to just tell the truth. And he kind of just did. He's like, No, that's a good point. Like tongue in cheek, we don't get separation, and these guys aren't open all the time, like the Chiefs or the Eagles or things like that. And so he's probably pretty upset. I don't think he's, you know, infiltrating the locker room from within necessarily with the, um, like the thing with Breer where they're kind of pissed off about the way he's making decisions. I just think, look, maybe they call the play for the the one he described as like a seam route to Gasicki, and he was open, and maybe he just didn't trust Gasicki was going to be there, or maybe he didn't trust the line in front of him was going to hold up in time, and right. so he kind of got scatterbrained before and was like, well, I don't think this is going to be here, so I changed my mind because. Bill talks about Mike Kosicki being their fifth wide receiver the other day, and he's the second highest paid skill position player on the earth third, maybe behind like Henry and Juju. And he hasn't done anything this year. He has the one catch, the one touchdown in that comeback. And besides that, he's done Jack squat. So I don't um, like to say, I told you so. so yeah, you no, no
0: 12 touchdowns, Kevin stone. <laughs> he was the most overrated player on the field from July yeah. straight on through. Like, no 100%. offense, but all y'all. Oh, yeah. And were no, riding. I'll take it. Yeah. Somebody called him unicorn. Somebody called him like a matchup nightmare. And like, uh, I, I probably corn. could have done that in, in as many words. Yeah. No, I was, I was high
1: on him. I thought it was good. And, I thought And I don't sense. blame
0: you because right. guess what? You don't make a whole lot of money to say that. No offense. But like, we're not <laughs> yeah. making hundreds of thousands and right. millions. The coaches and personnel people are. And I think right. they thought it too. Exactly. And
1: yeah. So. so that him and Juju, I was, I was high on it. I, I took the cheese. I'll, 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 take it. And so, um. but yeah, so I think in, in that situation, like Mac might just not trust the guys around him. So he, he thinks he has to try and do it all. He doesn't have the skill set to do it all. And in turn, the offense can't score 20 points.
0: Right. Okay. okay so. Speaking of the offense not being able to score 20 points, they may need to score 20 points yeah. this week because for whatever the Colts are, they actually put up, uh, what did I see? 21 plus points in eight of nine games. So mm-hmm. seems like you're going to need at least 21 points to be in this football game. Patriots and Colts at some stadium in Frankfurt. I'm not going to pretend to know the name of it. I think it's called Frankfurt Stadium. Oh, okay. Frankfurt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stadium. Uh, all I know about it is I watched a game there last week. There's a low scoreboard that my money is on Bryce Beringer hitting at some point yep. during the game. Uh, Bryce Beringer, who has also made the top five favorite Patriots for Andy Hart list at this point in the season. Uh, not a lot of options to pull from. Nope. So, Mike Cadlick, as we get ready for this Gardner-Minchu-Mac Jones matchup across the pond, what is the first kind of crucial clash we are going to fixate on? Yeah, so th-
1: the way you we opened the show, it was kind of a, well, are they really clashes anymore? Are they kind of pillow fights? And admittedly, You know, going through these columns every week and trying to find what to look for in these games, it it gets tough when it's a two and seven team and it's a four and five team across the board across the sideline with a backup quarterback. And so I took the time to kind of listen to what you know Belichick and Mac were telling us on Wednesday to figure out what they what they think is, you know, the problems with the the Colts. And so one thing Belichick said was he mentioned the big three on the Colts defense. I took that to mean the two linebackers, Zaire Franklin and uh, Darius Leonard, and DeForest Buckner, defensive tackle on the front line. So I'm going with Mac Jones against those three guys because we just talked about the offense, so we can kind of you know build that in here. The offense is struggling; they're, they're struggling not only against good defenses but subpar defenses. In the um, you know in the Commanders last weekend, obviously not being able to breach 20 points in a game against a team that just traded away their two best players on defense and don't have a great secondary. So um, I'm looking at sort of how they, they match up against them and Mac Jones talked about it this week, just how, you know, their work's cut out for them. They have good players. And even though the Colts are four and five and on their backup quarterback, like Zaire Franklin leads the league in tackles Darius Leonard is like a three-time first team all pro. And in my opinion, DeForest Buckner is like a top three, four defensive tackle in the game. He he's like six, nine freaking like he's a monster and he's disruptive on the front he you know tips the balls and he he leads them in sacks and so there are guys that they're gonna have to look out for in this defense and having said and you know mentioned max pre-snap adjustments and knowing where guys are and he's gonna have to have his eyes on all three of these guys at once so i'm interested to see how they attack not only you know the the front and the uh, front seven but even like the guys in the back end too so um it's Mac Jones against this defense I think it's kind of it's it's basic but they have three guys on there that you know can be disruptive so I'll be interested to see how they match up against it
0: yeah and I think it is basic and it it's it's accurate like sometimes right. the simple answer is the right answer Um it's going to come down to plays versus mistakes I keep saying their ratio of making plays versus making mistakes is way too even Like, a good team has to have significantly more plays than mistakes. They don't. Um, Certainly, DeForest Buckner is the kind of guy that gives Cole Strange. I love him. He's Uh, one of my favorite players
1: in the NFL. great.
0: And I think Cole Strange, people will tell me it's a bad matchup. Like, they like to tell me about Quinn and Williams and all these other guys that, I don't know, he's paid to block because that's what guards do. Um, Especially first-round guards. Yeah. But that's a bad matchup. Kenny Moore, um, old friend, has three interceptions. I think they have nine picks on the year. So. That's right. You basically have a defense that gets a pick a game against a quarterback who throws a pick a game. So there's probably going to be a pick in this game from the Patriots to the Colts at some point. Right. Um, And from the Patriots, it's just like, you know, I know Bill O'Brien, I actually give him credit. I thought he was um relatively honest, but also had enough hint of optimism this week in his conference call where he keeps pointing to, yeah, we get single plays here or there that are like, Morsels of what we want to be and how we want to look. And, you know, he was obviously excited about the Ramondre Stevenson long touchdown run and everybody blocked it well. And then Rager sprung him down the field. And if you give Ramondre room to run, he's going to hit it and take advantage. And I still believe that. Yep. They're just way too many runs where it's, he's dancing in the backfield. He gets one yard, no yard, two yards. Like there's too much of that. um But I do, I think. Bill O'Brien is still fighting the good fight in terms of the yeah, coaching. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I just don't know how good they are and what plays they can make. And um, you know, what well, also joke. kind
1: of bothered me, you, you mentioned Ramondre and the 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 calls and the you know Bill O'Brien fighting the good fight. Like they only gave the guy nine carries last week in a game that was pretty close and he was running pretty hard. So I know you said there was some ones where he's kind of banging against the line and it's yep. two yards, but give the guy another chance. It's not like you were down 15, two scores and you needed to throw the ball. Like I think they could have got him going a
0: little bit more last week. And I think they probably should. Because speaking yeah. of keep it simple, like he's one of your best players. I don't right. care whether he's having a mediocre year, whatever. Like I'm a big believer when the going gets tough, and like just give the ball to your best player, hundred percent. See what happens. Go down swinging like that rather than trying to get too cute and I don't know. Get reps to Tyquan Thornton or or whatever. Like. You know, Ramondre Stevenson is an NFL ball carrier, an NFL player. Get him the ball a little more often, even if it's, you know, a combination of the passing game and the run game. I think he needs more touches. Um, what are you saving him for, kind of thing? Um, so, okay. Patriots, Mac Jones against that defense, pillow fight, as you called it. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, what's next on the uh, uh kind of cool clashes? So I'm going back to
1: the quarterback here and I'm going the other guy. It's Gardner Mintrew because. Um, and I wrote about this a little bit more, not really in depth, but I, I broke it down a little bit on wei.com. You can check it out. Crucial clashes for this week. Uh, Gardner Minshew against this defense because the, the aura and the narrative and whatever you want to call it around Bill Belichick was, Oh, he's going to take down the young inexperienced guy. And if there's a backup or if it's Zach Wilson, or if it's a rookie or, you know, he's going to make sure that his life is a living hell on the field. And, that hasn't been the case for Bill Belichick for like the better part of like the last four years. Deshaun Watson as a rookie came in and beat them. Drew Locke as a rookie. Granted, it was the COVID year, but he came in and beat them as a rookie. And even Sam Howell last week, second year guy, comes in and beats the Patriots. And Gardner Minshew's different. He's he's been around. I think it's his fifth or sixth year. Um, but he's a journeyman backup. And in my opinion, Gardner Minshew is a, a fringe top thirty-two guy who does deserve to, you know, potentially start in this league but he's just that fringe top 32 he's 10 and 19 in his career he started 29 games um he kind of got the the bad end of i guess the jacksonville jaguars getting the number one pick and getting trevor lawrence but he was the quarterback and he's the one that got them to the number one overall pick so um long story short i think um how they defend against Minshew um will tell the tale of how they win this game because Minshew's not not character wise like Trent and Jack and JC, but he's a roller coaster player. Sometimes he's awesome. Sometimes he'll, uh you know, hand you three in a in a cornerback meeting. And uh, I think he has like the most turnover worthy plays either on the season or last week. He had like nine turnover worthy plays or something crazy. So he'll throw it to you. The Patriots finally starting to get those turnovers. They've had a couple in the last two weeks. Still lost, but they've they've finally forced turnovers. Um, so I'm curious to see how they. Not only match up against Minshew, um, but if they can turn the ball over against a guy who um, is sort of inexperienced and someone who you would think Bill Belichick would match up well against.
0: So, my favorite made up word that I'm trying to get uh, into culture in the dictionary eventually this game is hingent upon Gardner Minshew. Like, I don't get. See... <laughs> Keep talking. Gardner Minshew shuts the lights off. Um, yeah. I I just think you're right. This game is either going to be. Sam Howell 2.0 where he beats you and he's slinging it all over the field and yep he's extending plays and yeah you probably shouldn't make that throw okay you made that throw and you completed it and it worked right or he throws you the ball a couple times and we're saying well really the only way the Patriots win football games is when Zach Wilson or Gardner Minshew throws them the ball and gives them the game I think he is absolutely going to be storyline number one in this football game in terms of whether the Patriots can win or lose it and he is, he's, I don't know if it's Gunslinger, Helter Skelter, Jekyll and Hyde, whatever you want to call him. He's right. got some moxie to him. He, like, I, I
1: love Gardner Minshew. He, he's the man, in my opinion. Like, he, he has, just goes out there, he
0: plays football. Absolutely. And he's got the, you know, quarterback or shooter's mentality, mm-hmm. cornerback mentality. Like, if he throws a pick, he's willing to throw a pick on the next play, too. Like, he's yep. willing to take the shot. And because and in his mind... He has like, you know, dysmorphia. He sees every throw as a makeable Mm -hmm. throw when they're really not all makeable for him, but, um, and he's kind of playing on borrowed
1: time too. Like he's just, if I play great, I keep playing. And if not, I go back to being a backup again. So,
0: right. And, and this is his time to start to lay the foundation for next year. Cause this is Anthony Richardson's team. So is he there? Does he get on a shot in a, is he a bridge quarterback for another team somewhere that brings in a rookie or whatever, Um, so I, I think Gardner Minshew is the story of this football game. How he plays will be how the, the way the game unfolds and from a Patriots defensive perspective, no JC Jackson. Okay. Mm -hmm. We'll see how the rest of the secondary plays out. We'll see if Jack Jones is back out there starting, if he's in his regular role, how that plays out. Um, because he could even who knows maybe he's inactive Like well, you wouldn't stun me if you know. got know inactives and he's inactive and maybe they just didn't want jack jones and jc jackson on the same side of the atlantic ocean hanging out together and yeah. like doing bad stuff i don't know <laughs> um yeah they got to split them up by international waters right but the other side is like kyle duggar's been in the right place right time he's been catching the ball if you can do yep. that you can win this matchup and you can win this game via this matchup okay the third very intriguing, very important, very awesome matchup that you're keeping an eye on in this game is uh,
1: sticking with the Colts offense against the Patriots run defense this time. Uh, Patriots have actually had a pretty good run defense this year, um, as a whole. They've let up some big plays, obviously, you know, most that ran wild on them, but uh, overall, they've been pretty solid. And the Colts have a little bit of a two headed monster in their backfield. Zach Moss, um, is the second leading rusher in the entire NFL behind only Christian McCaffrey. It is. He's up there in yards per carry as well. Like, and it's Zach freaking Moss. And so, okay, take that for what it's worth. Then you have Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs in the NFL, who was out the first four games. He held out, requested a trade, came back, got his money, what have you. So, the last time the Patriots played this Colts team, or two times ago, the last time they played against Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor ran wild on them 170 yards, a long touchdown to ice the game. They gave him the ball like 30 times. Um, So, we mentioned Minshew, and he's going to have to make plays at the right time, but they also have two really good running backs right now who um, can really kill you, like the both of them. So, um, again, I mentioned the Patriots' run defense has been pretty solid. I think um, with Taylor sort of slowly getting back to into a groove here after being on PUP, um, they they handled it with Zach Moss. And that just goes to show you, too, how how good of a run-blocking offensive line this team has and how good of a – A running scheme shane Steichen, their new head coach has brought there the fact that zach moss was able to handle the load just as well as jonathan taylor could and so again just looking to see how they manage that how the patriots defend against it because again the last time they got they got burnt by him um looking back at the past matchups it's kind of tough to look at last year's colts game because it was sam ellinger and they they spanked them and rightfully so but the lat two times ago was really the key with carson wentz and jonathan taylor and they lost so um looking at that i just think it, i'll be i'll be interested to see you know how they match up against those two guys
0: yeah last time jonathan taylor played the patriots he uh pretty much ended uh, yeah. dante hightower's career exactly <laughs> yeah he was so, like yeah it's a retirement match buddy you probably should call it a career because right and he ended the game obviously um i do think the patriots run defense has been competitive You know, -hmm. know, they they fight the good fight. Guys like Jabril Peppers, Jelani Tavai, Juwan Bentley. You're going to get fight uh, out of those guys. Obviously, Christian Barmore, I think, has been kind of a beast in the middle. Yeah, he's been awesome. As much much a beast you can be on a team that's 2-7 and and losing games and things of that nature. Um, So I actually think this is a good matchup that the Patriots should be competitive with. Now, you mentioned the scheme and the fact that Steichen has turned Zach Moss from, like, journeyman jag into a, you know a rushing leader type also right. interesting side note here um that uh, different topic for a different day and i don't even know if anybody would care sure. but like you really notice that for whatever reason nfl running backs that hold out or miss time like they they can't get up to speed like you seeing josh yeah. jacobs he sits yeah. out you know obviously the the classic example Le'Veon bell ended his career by sitting out that season right. like you think of running back, at least in terms of rookies, it's the easiest position to play because you just get on the field, they hand you the ball, and they tell you to do what you did in college. You run, right? run you're young, and you're swy. yeah Yeah. And yet, guys miss like four weeks, and then it looks like they can never catch up to the treadmill of the season. And, and Jonathan right. Taylor is trying to catch up. He's had some up and down weeks over the last month now you don't want him to get right and feel good against you and suddenly exactly. have 140 yards rushing. Yeah, um, you can't go into
1: this game thinking, oh, well he's he hasn't played much, so yeah, screw him. We'll, we'll we'll just focus fine. on Moss. Yeah. yeah, right.
0: Um and and certainly piggybacking on if Gardner Minshew plays well and they run the ball, well you're porked. You're going to lose. Right. Um right. cuz as we talked about, they do score some points. They 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 don't really struggle to score points that where they win or they lose, they're going to get up north of 21, north of I think yeah, they've been 27 plus three straight games. So mm-hmm. Patriots are like, excuse me, 27? How many? You score yeah, twenty. Right. points? How do you do yeah. that? Yeah. Dude, that's weird. I've never, no one does that. Who, who yeah. scores 27 points in modern football? Um. So, yeah, the run defense. So bad. And, so and bad. the other. That's even what we're talking about, this offense. Oh yeah, it's awful. Um. The other thing is, I'm a big believer. You can scheme against the pass. So, you can scheme hmm. up Minshew. Sometimes run defense is a little bit of want to like, are you willing to be physical up front? And I think we're at a crossroads where we're wondering how invested all these Patriots players are. So their ability to play the run on defense might be a little bit of a litmus test as to how much they're still giving you everything they have up front, especially after a cross country flight to Germany. (laughs) Yes. So this could be an area where, if they fail here, it may be a sort of symbolic failure for everything that's going on and right. maybe kind of waving of the white flag like this thing's over. So, Mike Cadlick, you uh we listed the three big, crucial, critical, awesome matchups in this game. Yep. A backup quarterback, a guy who was a Jag running back and his buddy, like all those things. Yep. How does this game play out on Sunday at we should remind everybody you got to get up a little early if you're on yeah. this side of the ocean. 9 30 kickoff here in the States, I believe an NFL network game. So if you uh want to also air on CBS here and on CBS locally. Um, but as people get up and have their coffee and donuts on Sunday morning, what kind of game are they gonna see? They're gonna
1: see a Patriots loss, Andy. This team can't do it. It's hard to back Didn't them We hire you to be positive. Yeah, we tried. I was, I was, I, I. We just talked about it. We talked about Kosicki and Juju. I tried, my damnedest. Uh, no, yeah, they, uh, look, I mean, could they beat them? Absolutely. They could have beat the Commanders. They could have beat the Saints. They could have beat the Dolphins two weeks ago, I guess. But no, I mean, look, I, it's hard to back them right now. Um, it's hard to back a team that's two and seven, traveling to Germany, that has lost two straight now. Could be three, like. I just don't see it i don't see it from the offense um and the defense is okay but losing a cornerback and jc jackson and some attitude issues with that whole room it's it's tough to back them right now so um final score prediction is going to be 24 to 13 indianapolis colts um offense isn't doing it for me even 24 points is low for the colts but that does enough that's enough to beat the patriots this time around uh so they come back from germany 2-8, Two and eight, and Bill's gonna have to answer questions about his job once again. I don't think they're gonna do it, but uh, yeah, they're gonna be two and eight through ten
0: games. Something I never thought I'd be saying. Two and eight through ten games heading into the bye week, coming off yet another loss against a yet another mediocre, beatable yep. football team. Uh, for my prediction, I'll push everybody over to the Six Rings and Football Things feed for Fitzy and I talking up, previewing the game, getting you ready for the game. My prediction may not be all that different from Mike Cadlick <laughs> because if we're being honest. There's little reason to pick this football team right now. There's little reason to expect them to get the job done because they just don't really show the ability to get the job done. So he's Mike Cadlick. I'm Andy Hart. This is Six Rings and Football Things, Cadlick's Crucial Clashes edition. We promise we will finish the season. I don't know about oh, Mac yeah. Jones. I don't know about Bill Belichick. I don't know if they'll be around come December and early January, but we will be here each and every week to give our – damnedest effort to talk up the matchups in that week's coming game. Patriots against the Colts Sunday morning at Frankfurt Stadium. At least that's what Cadillac says it's called, so I'm going to believe him. Be Cross right. the pond, get up early, hopefully enjoy your football game. If not, go to brunch afterwards and have a good meal and save the day. And he's listen Mike to
1: G- the Six Rings post-game show on the Odyssey app while you're at brunch.
0: That's right. I should actually tease that. Six Rings post-game show. Weird time. Afternoon probably, edition. Yeah, 1230-ish. Soon as the game ends, Fitzy and myself will be on WEI. We'll be on the Odyssey app. And you can always download the podcast of that post-game show later if you do go to brunch to enjoy your day. Either way, he's Mike Cadlick. I'm Andy Jumbo Hart. And this is Six Rings and Football Things out. Thanks, everyone.